Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. It's a special series here at the Vineyard. Each year, we host our Perspective Series, a time when we get to hear from so many voices in our church community on the many ways that God has moved in their story, TED Talk style. This perspective story is brought to you by Lumi Nichols. Married to Eric and the mother of Teo and Anna, Lumi is on fire for Jesus. Originally from Romania, she just loves to speak and spread God's word. A warning, if you're listening with kids in the room or maybe in the car, this talk is intense as Lumi shares a part of her story and the trauma within it. Just a heads up for the parents. Let's listen in on Lumi's story. So this morning, I would like to uh, talk about a troubling question that has an equally troubling answer. My topic is domestic violence. And the question is, why women stay in abusive relationships? I am not a social worker or a psychologist, or a domestic violence expert, but I have a story that I would like to share with you this morning. I grew up in Romania, a country that was as beautiful as it was troubled. It is no secret and it is no surprise that in a totalitarian regime, coupled with a male-dominated society, That combination makes for a disturbing place for women's safety. Punishment of a wife by her husband was a legal right in Romania and not considered a crime unless the woman died from the abuse. The law was also such that the husband kept everything, including full custody of the children, if the abused wife chose to leave the home, so women stayed. As a child, I remember hearing women screaming in their homes as their husbands were beating them, and it frightened me. Because no one was allowed to challenge the wisdom of the husband who was punishing his wife. I grew up seeing my father hitting my mother And I even jumped on his back one time to pull him away from her. I lived in fear that one day I would have the same fate when I marry. But when I became a Christian at 13, I was relieved because I learned that Christian men were different. I also learned that God loved me and God had plans with my life, and I believed that his plans were good. And one of my favorite Bible verses was Jeremiah 31, 3, which says, For I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue to keep my goodness towards you. I was 20 years old when I came to America on a full-ride presidential scholarship. 
at a Christian university. I felt blessed to have received that scholarship coming from a communist country. I knew that God preached me, uh, God called me to, to ministry to preach the gospel. And the scholarship was a launching pad for me. For God's call on my life. It represented God's gift to me for all the pain that I endured as an underground believer in Romania. For not denying him on the pain of death in a communist prison. And for turning the other cheek when my father slapped me 10 times when I was 16 because I believed in God. This scholarship was the cherry on top of everything that I ever wanted, and that was to be in ministry. But a year and a half later, I gave up that scholarship, and I was living with a secret. My secret was the bruises that I was hiding on my body, caused by the man who vowed to love cherish, and protect me for the rest of my life. I'm here to talk about that story, a trap in which millions of women of every race, every culture, income level, and religion fall every year, and it may be your story too. Today, I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a nursing degree. I have a Master of Divinity. I'm finishing my doctorate. I worked for 10 years as a nursing professional. I pastored churches both as an assistant pastor and as a senior pastor. And I'm now happily married to my second husband, Eric. We have two daughters. I don't look like a typical survivor of domestic violence. But I was a very typical victim. First of all, because of my age. I was 21 when I married my first husband, only a year and a half after I moved to America. And in the U.S., women between 16 and 24 are three times more likely to be domestic violence victims. I was also an easy victim because as an immigrant, I didn't know the language very well. And I didn't know the culture. I didn't have any family in America, and I didn't know that laws existed in this country that protected women from abusive husbands. Even after I went to nursing school, I didn't know that. I met Lorne in the dining hall at my Christian university. When we first met, he told me two things about himself. That he was a pastoral studies major. He was studying to become a pastor. And that he was an orphan. My first impression of Lorne was that he was serious about becoming a pastor. He was serious about his studies. He was also handsome and he was funny. He had a smile that brightened the room and he was sweet. When we started dating, he liked everything about me. 
the fact that I was from a communist country and I, and I saw and I, 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 I saw the world um, and life from a different perspective. He liked that I was strong in my faith. He liked that, that I was willing to die for God. And he couldn't get enough of my stories from my childhood in Romania and about my dreams and my hopes. And to create trust between us, he started to tell me about his story, about being abandoned by his parents when he was eight years old with two younger brothers in an orphanage in Savannah, Georgia. If you would have told me that this smart, sensitive, sweet man studying to become a pastor one day would beat me because I wanted to go to church, would dictate what I wear, would buy my clothes for me and force me to wear them, would cut my hair, tell me who my friends should be, and where we spend holidays, I would have laughed at you. Charming the victim is the first stage in a domestic violence relationship. And the second stage is usually isolation. For the first two years of our marriage, I was on a student visa without work permit in America. So I couldn't work, I didn't drive, we didn't go to church, I couldn't call my family in Romania. My only lifeline to the outside world was a small clock radio that somebody gave me in college. Until one day, Lauren told me that I couldn't listen to it anymore because it consumed too much electricity. So I wanted to be a submissive wife, and I stopped listening to the radio. Lorne also told me that America was a dangerous place, that I could get killed just checking the mail. I believed him. Now, we lived in a suburban apartment on top of a scenic ridge. It was unlikely that I would be in any danger checking the mail. But in America, I only lived before on a small campus at a Christian university. Lorne was the eyes through which I saw this country, so whatever he told me, I believed. And I wanted to believe him. I wanted to believe him that he was my protector. But I couldn't help feeling more and more that he was becoming my jailer. Lauren started to hit me the day after we came home from our honeymoon. But he always made sure that he never hit me above the neck so I could hide my bruises. Sometimes before he went to work, he checked the top of the door post for dust. And if those doorposts were dusty, when he came home, I was liable to be beaten. I cooked, I cleaned, I washed clothes by hands in the bathtub. 
Yet every day he told me that I was a millstone around his neck and I had no right to live in this country and I should go back to Romania. He also told me that he beat me out of mercy. That I was lucky because he didn't believe in divorce. So instead, he prayed every day to God that I die. One day, he came home from work angry, and he threw all the food that I made in the garbage can, and he hit me so hard that I hit the floor. I don't know why he hit me. And for the first time in my life, right there on the floor, I asked God to turn his face from me. This God who loved me with an everlasting love, I didn't want him to see me on the floor. I was ashamed of my marriage. For the next eight years, I lived in debilitating fear during the day and in terror of him at night. There was no predictable time when he would have anger outbursts and take it out of me, sometimes even in the middle of the night. I was in constant state of anxiety, but I learned very quickly to hide not only my bruises, but also my pain. On the outside, we looked like the most in-love couple. In public, Lorn was the life of the party, and everybody wanted to be around him, while I put on a mask and played along, laughing at his jokes and never showing a hint of unhappiness. No one would have believed me if I told them the Lorne beat me at home. And he liked the fact that I hid the abuse from people. In fact, he considered it my duty as a submissive wife to always praise him and make him look good in front of people. And that's what I did. But despite the beatings, I never saw myself as a battered wife. I was a strong woman. I survived communist imprisonment. I, I, I helped overthrow my government. I was a strong woman of God. I just saw myself as a woman in love with a man who was troubled. And I was the only one who could help him. But above all, I believed the Lord also will change. And I held on to that hope that one day he would be a pastor. We would go back to church and everything would be okay. Now, he must have suspected that because one day he said to me that he never wanted to be a pastor. And that that was a phase that he was going through when he was in college and he didn't want to change his major and lose all his credits. I was devastated. I gave up my life dream to be with him. 
I lost my scholarship because I believed in his call to ministry more than I believed in mine. I squandered God's gift to me. And all Lauren said was, tough luck, deal with it. I was broken mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I couldn't pray anymore. And I felt betrayed and forsaken by God and trapped in a marriage away from my family with no way out. But worst of all was that I could see in Lorne's eyes that my brokenness made him feel powerful. For eight years, Lorne beat me several times a month and called me names that I cannot say in church. I was afraid of him, and I was afraid to leave. And fear is often the main reason why women stay in abusive relationships, many types of fears. But for me, there was another reason that was even stronger than fear. I didn't want to leave my abusive marriage because I was ashamed. You see, in Romania, I was taught that a strong believer is discerning. A strong believer fasts and prays for their future spouses. And this guarantees a blissful marriage. Even though I did that for years, all throughout my, my, my high school years and my teenage years, I was now in an abusive marriage, which sent the message that I was not as godly as my friends thought. And I was ashamed. Growing up, my mother also told me that if I was a virgin when I married, my husband will never beat me because he will respect me. My father used to say that my virginity was the only dowry that he had to give my husband. And after all, every husband wants that, wants a pure wife. In our culture, that was very important. So I was a virgin when I married. But if I told my parents that my husband beat me, they would have wrongly assumed that I wasn't a virgin. And I was ashamed. When my parents were arguing, I told them that the reason they have a bad marriage is because they were not Christians. And I will marry a Christian man, and to make double sure, I will marry a pastor. So when my marriage to a pastor turned violent, I was ashamed to tell my parents. I was so ashamed of my past that I was okay never talking about my past for the rest of my life. So I graduated from seminary, and nobody knew that I was divorced. I was licensed to preach by my church. Nobody knew about it, about my past. And then I was ordained in a major denomination, which, if you know, it is a detailed process including three days of intense professional counseling and testing out of town 
and no one knew anything about it. I was so ashamed. For three years, I pastored the church, and I told no one that I was divorced. Until one day on a flight back to America, the Lord told me that he couldn't use me anymore. Unless I started to minister out of my weaknesses. You see, I love to preach. I can write solid, passionate sermons. I told my prison story in many churches and at conferences. I I pray passionate prayers. Those were my strengths, and I was ministering out of those strengths. But now the Lord was asking me to minister out of my pain. And I knew what that meant. I knew that it meant telling my abuse story, telling my, my divorce story, exposing a broken past that I was ashamed of, removing that glittering image. And I hated it. It took me another year until I finally told my congregation the truth about my past. But as I went public with my story, something unexpected happened. My shame started to lose its grip on me. When I brought into the light the shame of my past, the power it held on me and over me started to weaken. And I learned that being a Christian or even being a minister is not about never sinning or never being weak or never falling. But it is about the power of the blood of Jesus that forgives us of all sins no matter what we did. Believing that God can take our biggest mess and turn it into our greatest message when we come back to him with humility and repentance. You see, I wanted to offer God a pristine life, a pristine vessel in my body, in my soul, in my spirit. And when I couldn't do that, I built walls around me. I built this prison of shame around me because I didn't believe that God could use a broken vessel. And I did one of the worst things that followers of Jesus can do. And that is, ask God to look away. Run away from God. I don't know what your past looks like. Maybe you didn't go through a divorce. Maybe you didn't go through abuse. But I know that all of us have something in our past that we're ashamed of. Maybe an addiction, maybe a behavior that we wish we were never engaged in. Maybe we say things or we said things that damaged other people with our words. Whatever whatever we're ashamed of can hold us imprisoned for years. It took me 20 years to tell my story publicly and be delivered of my shame. Long after the fear of my ex-husband was gone, I was still living with that shame and guilt. And God's will for us is to be free. 
You know, when I shared my story with my congregation, I was so scared. When I told them that I, their pastor, had a broken past, the reaction was incredible. I remember before the service, I asked Eric, when I'm almost done, go out there, turn on the car, have the kids in the car, I'm going to run. I don't want to answer any clarifying questions, and I don't want to talk to anyone. So I was ready to leave until I saw the people in my church line up in the middle aisle of the sanctuary, waiting one by one to hold me, to hug me. Some even whispered in my ear, I know how that feels like. I'm there right now. Because when we share our stories, we not only break the power of our own shame, but our story can be the key that can open somebody else's prison. I believe God wants to break shame off of his church. I believe that he wants to remind us that forgiveness is something that God, it's a gift that God gives us generously, no matter what we did. And I believe that some of you, like me, gave up on your call to ministry because of a past sin that you believe disqualifies you from being in ministry. And you're not fulfilling God's call on your life because you have this shame from your past. God wants to deliver you from that shame. So through my journey, I learned a few things. I learned, I learned that God never stopped loving me, that that everlasting love is true. It never ends. I learned that God is strong in our weaknesses, and he can use us when we're vulnerable. I learned that God's gifts and God's calling are irrevocable. Last month, my husband and I celebrated 18 years of our marriage. We have two daughters, and today I stand here as the first Romanian woman ordained as a pastor in the world. God is the restorer of the years that the locusts have eaten. And he can do the same for you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and your family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.